the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, greatest, greater Phoenix area. This is John Gabriel. I'm filling in for the great Seth Liebson today. Um, I've guest hosted before. It's actually been a while. So who the heck are you, John? Uh, well, I'm very disappointed that you aren't already aware of my, uh, what is the fancy word? My oeuvre, the work, the work that I do. But I'm editor-in-chief of a site called ricochet.com. A great site you should check out. I write there. Uh, we have like 50 podcasts, so I host the King of Stuff podcast there. Uh, tongue firmly in cheek for the name there. Also write uh, every week or so for the Arizona Republic. Um, try to give a conservative perspective. So, um, And I'm going to uh, talk a little about that as well today because, uh, yeah, it, it's a different crowd of readers when you're uh, talking to folks on The Patriot or uh, getting your calls and things as opposed to talking in a more mainstream press venue. Um, it's almost like two different worldviews. But you can find me all over the place. I'm also xjohn on Twitter, E-X-J-O-N. And let me explain the king of stuff thing. A long time ago, I'm, I'm a bit uh, ADD, or as my teachers called me, uh, a spaz, I think was the diagnosis when I was a kid, uh, just wanting me to sit down and shut up and actually pay attention in class which I eventually figured out. But I tend to jump from subject to subject. I like uh, kind of taking in everything at once. And so I have a slight amount of knowledge on every single subject known to man. But that's about it, about slight. So uh, bear with me here. But it is fantastic to be chatting with you. It's great to be here on a Friday. We're all finishing up the week. Um, I was actually a bit late because there was an accident on the freeway. And since I just like sit in my house in my darkened room, scribbling away on my typewriter, I'm not used to this whole commute thing. But uh, hey, I'm here for your commute. So great to chat with you. A lot going on in the news today. It's uh, been, as usual, it seems like it's always being kind of a crazy news day. We have something called Silicon Valley Bank in, of all places, Silicon Valley, which has been taken over by the feds. And now other banks are very worried. But don't worry because Janet Yellen is on it. She promises that banks are resilient. And with such competent leadership that we've gotten out of the Biden administration, I don't think there's any reason to worry. Um, this is the same person who didn't think there was any chance of any kind of inflation coming on. Yeah, no problem. That's not never going to happen. And uh, it's only going to be brief and intermittent. Um, yeah, so take it with a grain of salt. Anything that uh, anyone in the Beltway tells you, take it with a grain of salt. I think as conservatives, we all know that that is very good advice. One thing that I had written about, and um, a certain paper didn't really want me to say this, uh, but there's a fantastic bill working its way through the GOP-controlled state Senate and state House as well, Justine Wadsek. She's a Republican from Tucson, and she wanted to update the state constitution to not only our constitution already bans affirmative action, 
And she wants to make sure that we get rid of any kind of CRT level stuff. You know, basically the universities now, about 80% of the faculty positions, you need to sign something called a diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. You have to sign this saying that uh, basically that you're going to treat everybody differently based on their skin color, their gender, their presumed gender, their orientation, whatever it might be. You need to treat everybody completely differently, and I think that's unwise, to say the least. Anyway, uh, this is called Senate Concurrent Resolution 1024. Uh, She wants to get it on the ballot, have voters approve it or disapprove it. There was something similar in California um, that the voters supported as well, because when you ask most people, even those with a D after their name, they think it's a bad idea to institutionalize this concept of um, race-based hiring, uh, making sure that we fill in all the checks and boxes of every kind of aggrieved group. Look, why don't we hire the best person for the job? That's a great idea. These same university administrators, especially at the plumier schools on the East Coast, Harvard, Yale, and the like, are trying to prevent Asian Americans from going to their schools. The problem is they're too smart and there's too many of them. Um, sorry, the other, the other word for that is called racism and uh, we shouldn't do it. You know, if a student uh, kicks rear end when it comes to high school and before that middle school, they get the best grades, they do all this extracurricular stuff, they should get into a better school than I had the opportunity to get into. Um, I was as well, I already said, my teachers called me a spaz. I was a little distracted throughout high school. There were many things that were more important to me. And uh, as a result, when I got to the end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't have school anymore. What should I do? So joined the Navy for four years because I knew somebody had to uh, kick my rear end into shape. And after that, college was a breeze. I was like, oh, man, this is easy. I'm not, uh, I don't know. If I mess up, I'm not going to be swabbing decks on an oiler in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, Navy has very good motivations for you to pay attention. So I was uh, I was reactor operator on a submarine and was thinking, I'm going to do this as a career until I hit about day 10 in a submarine. Arizona boys and uh, being locked in a submarine with no sunshine, not a great combination. Very glad I did it. But yeah, you go to college after that, it's a breeze, you know, and obviously anyone uh, from who was in the Great War of Terror actually in combat and the like. Yeah, when they leave the Marines, the Army, the Air Force, whatever it might be, uh, and they get to a college campus uh, with everybody crying about um, their kombucha not being fair trade. Yeah, it's a little it's a little tough to take. So um, if any of you out there are veterans, I'm sure we have many veteran listeners and uh, or have kids in the services. Thank you very much for your service. It's uh It helps kind of readjust your brain a little bit, no matter what uh, foolishness the Pentagon brass uh, might be coming up with when it comes to wokeness and so forth. So anyway, um, talking to my beloved uh, fellow Arizonans, I love the state. I love the city of Phoenix. And yeah, if we could support this effort, this SCR 1024, that would be great because there is absolutely no reason to force this DEI, CRT nonsense and force it into our universities. How about just letting the best person get the best grade and be done with it? 
instead of trying to compel speech. And you know most of the people signing these things, a lot of companies have these DEI statements. People don't believe in it. They're just doing it because they have to. You know, So why bother doing this? Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I'm mercifully in a line of work where I don't need to sign things like this, thankfully. But I know many people in the corporate world are stuck with this garbage. And uh, yeah, um, hopefully sanity will return. The Supreme Court currently has before them, they heard oral arguments a few weeks back about whether affirmative action should be allowed at our universities. A lot of people are thinking that the Supreme Court is going to get rid of it, which is very good. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing for everybody. Um, if colleges want to figure out who they can help financially, just make it. Don't worry about race, gender, all this nonsense. Worry about how much money they have. Okay, did you get great grades? Awesome. Do you have enough money to afford this? Okay, we'll give you a scholarship. Uh, they don't need to uh, bean count various people's races, etc., um, I currently have two daughters going to college right now, and it is a challenge, to say the least, and uh, try, trying to take care of them. Uh, the last thing we need to do when we're trying to teach them to be responsible citizens of this country is to force everybody into some bizarre racial category, which we change the names for every three years, maybe. I know Latin X wasn't a big hit. They really pushed that a lot, and... Uh, most Latinos are like, what are you idiots talking about? So um, thankfully, a lot of sanity, uh, a lot of people are pushing back on this uh, because most of this country, despite what you see in the news, despite what you see on Twitter, most of this country is sane. And that is why talk radio exists. Alternate uh, communication forms so people can realize, am I, am I going crazy? Is the world going crazy? Uh, rest assured, the world that's what's going crazy, and uh, it's up to all of us to keep our heads and uh, be involved in our communities and helping people on the front lines instead of worrying about what our betters say, um, whether it be on CNN or um, in your local newspaper. Don't worry about that. Uh, hang out with your kids. Love your spouse. Help in your community. Enjoy church. Enjoy getting involved in your local school. These are the things that make it a life worth living and a country worth living in. So I have three guests scheduled. Every hour we have another guest. But until then, in between time, I'll be talking about all the news of the day. And it is coming fast and furious like a fire hose, basically like every single day does. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and I will be back. Thanks for listening here to 960 The Patriot. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel. You do not hear Seth's dulcet tones. You are stuck with my um, not-made-for-radio voice. So uh, thanks for tuning in. As I said, I'm editor-in-chief over at a site called ricochet.com. And I waste a little too much time on Twitter as X John. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a few guests coming up. At the bottom of the hour, we have Bethany Mandel. Uh, she, along with Carol Markowitz, has written a fantastic book about parenting during the time of COVID. It is tearing up the charts. It was just released on Tuesday. And they're both fantastic writers. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but uh, you're going to want to get this book. So... That is great to hear. Now, 
the border, uh, a bit of an issue to us uh, here in Arizona. And Biden and Mayorkas are avoiding it every chance they get. To their credit, the House GOP Judiciary Committee decided to hold a meeting a couple weeks ago in Yuma, about five miles away from the border. I think uh, Yuma city limits are so very close, and they have been struggling with a whole bunch of issues regarding that. Now, we're not talking, uh, this isn't a partisan issue, and that's what's so maddening, I think, for many of us looking at this. It's a public safety issue. It's a fairness issue. I'm fine with people immigrating into the country, but just sign the guest book on the way in. It's not too hard to do. When you just are not enforcing anything, you're going to get a lot of bad elements. For instance, cartel violence. We had a situation earlier this week where a group of people across the border in Texas, a group of Americans, who were killed by cartel violence. I know, and this was years ago now, I crossed the border in Naco, Arizona, slash Mexico, about south of Bisbee. I don't know, probably 10, 15 miles south of Bisbee. Very small town, very calm, very quiet. And uh, I crossed the border just to, I don't know, poke around a little bit, leave in half an hour. And yeah, a couple trucks were having a gun battle as I was trying to get the heck back to our side of the border. And that it's only gotten worse since then, gotten much worse. I still remember back when I was a college student, uh, I uh, proudly attended Arizona State University, or as I like to call it, the Stanford of the West. And uh, I needed a break from my roommates. Let's be honest here. So Went down, just did a trip, and I was thinking, once again, I'm headed down to Bisbee. I love that town. And I was like, I think I'm going to drive through Mexico over to Nogales and then come back up. That'll be kind of fun. I've never done that before. And uh, the Border Patrol there said, so why why are you doing this? I said, oh, I just thought it'd be fun. And this guy, like many, many, many Border Patrol agents, was Hispanic himself. He's like, you really don't want to do that. And he started showing me the various houses where cartel members live. And he's just like... I think you should just head back to Bisbee. A little friendly advice. Very nice about it, and I could have gone through if I wanted to. But, yeah, the border has always been challenging, um, really, communities on both sides of the border, and that's why we need to protect it. It is not too much to ask for the American government to protect our border. Instead, they care a great deal about borders of other countries. Ukraine comes to mind. And uh, here's another thing where you just have people who are supposed to be our elites, our betters, the people who run this country. These are people were, well, in theory at least, are supposed to look up to, and they seem far more concerned about what's going on on the other side of the world than what's happening in our own backyards. And yeah, people are ticked off about it. And this goes for both parties. Uh, One real frustration a lot of people shared, including myself, is uh, spending the State of the Union talking a lot about Ukraine instead of, how about our border? You know, you can do two things at once, folks, but maybe get our border under control, then we can save the world. Um, I I think people in general looking at our insane $31.5 trillion national debt, we're a little bit concerned about being overextended, not only in military force, but economically. We had a lot of issues here at home. And uh, if If Republicans and Democrats, if they don't um, understand that people want them to take care of business at home first before they worry about what's going on in the rest of the world, they're going to get kicked out of office. Hopefully um, this current crew 
running our nation into the ground in the Beltway right now. Hopefully they will be tossed out. But uh, this is a warning to Republicans as well as Democrats. This is not a party issue. I personally am an independent because I didn't think the GOP was conservative enough, essentially. And uh, yeah, a, a lot of people are going to be going independent or voting for third parties, running themselves to get rid of this kind of good old boys and ladies network that we have going on throughout our politics. People are ticked off, you know, and uh, that's how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be able to turn people out of office. And I highly recommend to Republicans that they differentiate somewhat when it comes to um, which Americans they want to serve if they want to serve Americans at all. Well, this cartel violence, by the way, four Americans crossed into Mexico from Brownsville, Texas. It actually occurred a week ago today. The rented vehicle that they drove across the border came under gunfire. It's a faction of the Gulf cartel. Well, to their credit, the Mexican government has caught these people. If if they're motivated uh, to do their job south of the border, they will do it quite quickly. The cartel was actually apologizing because it's not good when you have a few people saying, hey, maybe we should send the U.S. military to our border instead of to some country in Europe and defend that border. So I think they're getting a little bit nervous, but you really need a strong effort from the top to say, look, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. And if Democrats, if this will help Democrats sell a secure border, this this border situation is hurting the migrants you think you're helping. You think this is compassionate. And uh, I know in Texas it was revealed a week ago or so, I think it was 880 corpses that they found. Um, people just stranded in the desert because you have coyotes who leave them in the middle of the desert, steal their money and leave them, who attack them, who assault them sexually and otherwise, who murder them en route. It's a very bad situation for everybody involved. And if we want to actually help people who are struggling, uh, one way to do it is not to empower the cartels to ship them across the border, either on foot or by truck or whatever it might be. It's bad for everyone. It's bad for the people of Yuma. It's bad for Americans. It's bad for foreign nationals. It's bad for our country. So get it together. Let's uh, solve this border issue. All you need is will to do this. And for some strange reason, neither party has shown a whole bunch of will on that. So uh, hopefully we'll get a better president who can <laughs> who can focus on this as uh, the important issue that it is. This is actually a funny aside before we go into the bottom of the hour break. There's a guy named Ben Savage. He is going to run for the seat vacated by everybody's favorite, Adam Schiff, in the House. Um, this guy is best known for starring in the ABC sitcom Boy Meets World. I thought that was a Disney show. Anyway, he cannot be any worse than uh, Adam Schiff. So, uh, yeah, good luck to you. He's probably a far-left Democrat. But Ben Savage, please don't shift things up this time, okay? Uh, we've had enough of that guy, and we don't want to deal with him. Uh, hopefully, uh, Adam Schiff will be tossed out on his ear uh, for good because he hasn't done his job very well. We are going to be talking to Bethany Mandel, the author, after the break. Thanks for listening. Please keep tuning in. Talk to you on the, on the other side.
Welcome back to KKNT 960 The Patriot. Very happy to welcome author Bethany Mandel. She does so much stuff, I can't even keep track of it all, but uh, they have a fantastic new book out. Her and Carol Markowitz teamed up on this called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this is kind of bizarre that the only way that we have talked on the phone recently is on the radio. I know. I know. Yeah, Bethany and I used to work together at Ricochet, and uh, now she's just writing, I don't know, a couple books a month, putting them out there. (laughs) Very busy. Well, this is something near and dear to my heart. I mentioned earlier this hour that I have two daughters. They're both in college now, but you could see this wokeness creeping into the curriculum everywhere, in public schools, even in charter and private schools. And now we see the results. We had, I wrote a few weeks ago, about um, the vast increase in teen girl depression, suicidal ideation and the like. And how can you blame these poor kids? They're being misserved by us, the grown-ups. Why don't you tell us about the book? Yeah, absolutely. So it's called uh, Stolen Youth. Oh, my gosh. I, everyone else usually reads the whole tagline, and so I, I am unused to it. Um, <laughs> it is called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. And, uh, it's you know, it's basically that. We are watching an entire generation of young people who are being indoctrinated at every single corner of their lives, from school to the books in their public and private libraries, or not private, but you know what I'm saying, public right. and school libraries, um, in the media, you name it. Everywhere we turn, we're sort of dealing with wokeness. And there's a lot of books out there that deal with the sort of woke assault on uh, college campuses or um, in sort of the the law realm, um, sort of in the general wider world. But there's never been a book written about how all of this is attacking young people. If you look back in history, sort of at the, the history of, of Marxist revolutions, which, you know, this is, this is a form of a Marxist revolution, uh, you see that they target children first. They know that they can't get the, the middle-aged folks. And so they say, who is the most impressionable and who is the future? Of course, it's the children. And so that's exactly what we're seeing now. We're seeing an entire generation of woke revolutionaries um, embedding themselves in positions of power, whether they be in school districts, as teachers, um, at Disney or Scholastic. And they are they're not having children themselves. They're all very antinatalist and um, doomsdayers about the climate. So, you know, the world will end in 10 years. Right. Um, but they've decided to, you know, go for our children, you and I. And they, their goal is to make sure that, you know, they are far more woke than their bigoted parents are. Those bigoted parents, of course, being you and I. Right, right. Yeah, it's um, really amazing to see how much traction that they've gotten in this. Um, about 10 yeah. years ago, a story I often tell, um, our ki- girls were going to school and there was a conservative Muslim family and their girls were the exact same age as ours. And they gravitated to us because they were just working here, working at a tech company. And they were like, oh my gosh, American culture has gone nuts, but you guys seem to have some kind of basis and facts. So we ended up hanging out with them all the time because they're like, what is wrong with this country? This is just going nuts. And it's only gotten worse since then with people like you say, mostly childless people uh, trying to indoctrinate all of our kids from 
pre-K through 12th grade and then send them off to college and really start messing with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we you got along so well with that family because they had shared values. Yep. Uh, in the book, we, we talk a lot about COVID, and it seems like maybe a little outplaced. And, you know, we sort of had to fight for it and make the argument for it with our editors. But, you know, COVID was really when they pressed on the gas, when they decided that they could try to p- pass through things and sort of test our willingness to resist to groupthink and to conformism and to uh, the, the mob, basically, the cancer culture mob. And so, you know, we saw schools close and they didn't open for a very long time uh, in, bluer, in bluer states. And then when they did reopen, they were uh, only opened under the condition that they put masks, you know, cloth, whatever, on children aged two and up. And, you know, it stayed like that where I live for an exceedingly long amount of time. Yep. Um, you know, they, during COVID, decided that, you know, they felt like they had to be virtue signaling and doing something. And the most vulnerable people on the doing something front were the children. And so they inflicted the most uh, onerous restrictions on children um but i mean it it was bad 10 years ago and this is sort of the message that we wanted to send to parents with stolen youth if you think you know how bad it is buckle in because you really have no idea yep yep can you stay with us another segment we are going to a quick commercial break we're talking with bethany mandel author of how radicals are erasing innocence and indoctrinating a generation stolen youth we'll be back after the break Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show with uh, guest host John Gabriel talking to co-author Bethany Mandel along with Carol Markowitz. They have written a fantastic book tearing its way up the Amazon charts called Stolen Youth. Um, You actually – you're one of these people who actually puts your belief – puts your money where your mouth is essentially. Um, You have gotten a whole bunch of flack for it living where you do on the East Coast. They were horrible with the lockdowns, and you fought it, which means that you're a grandma killer. <laughs> how how do you take the response that you got, just the invective and hatred that people threw your way for having this crazy idea that kids actually need to have a normal life and grow up like normal human beings? So I will quote the great Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. Um, it's very easy not to. It's it's very easy not to get upset when the people who are like ah are just people who don't matter. Um, what was really hard, and and why I became so outspoken during the pandemic is watching it impact my kids. And so you know, my kids' uh, pottery teacher wouldn't teach a class until really fall of this year. Wow. Um, without masks. Uh, she, I, and I, I don't say this with malice because she really was scared and um, overly so, you know, by the, the doomsdayers. But the, you know, the uh, community center where the pottery class took place um, had, had dropped the mask mandate. The county had dropped it, the township, everyone. And she said, I will not teach the class unless everyone in this class consents to wearing a mask 
and um, and it was sort of framed in a way that like we're all taking care of each other because we're all good people and that's why we're agreeing to do this. And I said, no, my children have done enough. Uh, if you believe in your mask and you believe in your vaccine, then what my children do is of no concern to you. And I do not consent. And if this is if this is sort of the framework in which you are on this, is the only framework in which you are willing to operate this class, uh, that's a violation. <laughs> and I will talk to a lawyer because this is a public facility and you right. are not making any accommodations for people for whom masking is difficult, um, you know, uh, with autism or whatever. And um, and let me know what you think. And um, and she ended up um, refusing to teach the class when that when that was put to her. And that's that's a really hard thing to do to sort of push back on a very elderly and very kind woman and say, no, the buck stops here. I'm done. And I had a phone conversation with her and I talked to her about it one on one. And I said, I appreciate that you have these feelings. Um, I don't believe them to be rational and the data backs that up. Um, and while I understand you and I understand your concerns and, and I appreciate the work that you do, my top priority is my children. And uh, this is not right for them. And they've had enough of their childhood stripped away from them and altered in a way that you and I never had that happen. And I'm putting my foot down and I, I'm saying enough is enough. And she said, okay, I respect that. Um, and that's, that's, not something a lot of people feel comfortable doing and that is totally understandable but i think that parents and this you know the last word in our book is fight it's fight for a reason parents need to understand that no and and i think COVID taught us this no one else is fighting for your child but you and um and we need to take that role as their as their guardians and their protectors and their advocates extraordinarily seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that you live out, which is wonderful to see. You got a big family, lots of kids. And that's something you realize pretty early on as a parent is, yeah, uh, people might want to influence your kids, but they're not responsible for your kids. They're not the ones at home dealing with them when they're having a crisis, physical crisis, mental health, whatever it might be. And I think part of the problem, too, among teenage girls, as we talked about, but boys, of course, as well, is the supposed grownups are trying to force them onto a world that has no standards, no common sense beliefs. If you feel uncomfortable in your body, well, get a scalpel and a prescription for hormones and change it. I'm sorry. I don't think any teen is comfortable with their own body, especially as they're going through puberty and they're like, what the heck is what the heck is going on here exactly? And um, they're trying to give them a world where there are no standards, no beliefs, nothing is black or white, nothing is firm. And you have these poor kids just drifting around trying to figure out what the heck to believe in. Um, yeah. That's what the leftist goal is. And it's tearing our kids apart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only are they doing all those things, but they're, especially with the, with, you know, here's some drugs and, and potentially surgery or binders, what have you. They're saying, you know, any discomfort is bad and should be avoided. And that's a message um, that we've, that my generation definitely received. And the, the message is getting louder as kids, as you go sort of further down the line towards kids now, um, 
we are, by doing this, by taking away any opportunity to struggle, to work, um, to feel this discomfort, we're taking away from them their resilience. And that was um, that was a, an entire chapter that I wrote for Stolen Youth, this idea that, um, you know, all of this stuff is stripping children of their resilience. And it's ironic because, you know, these folks spent the entire pandemic saying, reassuring us, children are resilient. Meanwhile, they are the least resilient people on planet Earth. And they are raising even less resilient people right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They are setting them up for failure in life. And it's really concerning. I know it's kind of it it was amusing to me. But yeah, I kind of felt bad for the other kids. My youngest daughter, she got a job after turning 16, working in fast food. (laughs) Every time I picked her up from work, she'd be like, these other people, they have no work ethic. Most of her coworkers mm-hmm. were halfway through college or older. Yep. <laughs> it would drive her crazy. She's doing all their work yeah. for them. And I said, I know it's very frustrating right now, but this is going to give you such an advantage going mm-hmm. forward that you understand yep. that, look, I need to bust my hump and get things done. Uh, no one else is going to do this stuff for me. I said, you are setting yourself up for success. Unfortunately, these kids, maybe it was poor parenting, maybe it's bad messages from culture, uh, they're going to be in a lot of trouble, especially when times get tough, which they always do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was something uh, when I first got my first job, um, when I was interviewing, the woman who interviewed me said, you know, you have a a mediocre GPA, I think it was like Mm 3.4. And um, you graduated from, you know, a middle of the road school, I went to Rutgers, the State University in New Jersey. And I'm interviewing 15 girls just like you, what sets you apart? Mm -hmm. And I said, um, I have a 3.4 because I work 40 hours a week at two different jobs. Mm -hmm. And my boss and my customers used to yell at me on the regular. Mm -hmm. And I smiled and I kept a smile on my face. And I worked the shifts that nobody wanted to work. And she pretty much hired me on the spot. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, we have got to go to another great, but um, every another break. But we're talking with Bethany Mandel. Everybody, rush out now in a buying frenzy. Get the book by her and Carol Markowitz. It's called Stolen Youth. It is available now. And uh, check out. I'm sure she's got another th- thirteen books in the can to come out later this year. So buy all those as well. Bethany, thanks so much for being on. Thank you, John. Good talking to you. Great talking to you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for the great Mr. Liebson. Thanks for being on. We will be on through 6 p.m., getting you through the end of the day, your evening drives and what have you. It's great to talk to Bethany uh, because she really has been leading by example, leading by action. I've known her for many years. And she's been big on uh, making sure that parents advocate for their own kids, Something that I've noticed in just raising my two daughters now are in like uh, the first and third year of college, respectively. And you just need to understand early on that a lot of people do not mean well when it comes to kids. You need to try to ground them to the best of your ability. Yeah, all parents are going to make mistakes. Looking back, I would do plenty of stuff differently, I'm sure. But it's very important just to give them a foundation, a stable foundation that they can build from Best way to do that, uh, fellow people of faith listening, my, um, you know, kind of allying with my fellow Christians, of course, but also 
There's a lot of people um, of a lot of different backgrounds. I mentioned there is this uh, Muslim family that came up by our side, and we worked together to make sure that our kids were doing well. Many Jewish families as well. There's a lot of us who just kind of have this understanding of tradition, even those of no faith or belief, who just want to rally and protect. And that's the power, and at least we're still allowed to do this in this country, but that's the power of America, getting together with your neighbors and uh, finding those people who have similar perspectives as you. And a lot of times this isn't political. We just want what's best for our kids. And, yeah, we want Washington to get their act together. We want a governor to get their act together like Ron DeSantis is trying to cut out the nonsense going on in the libraries around Florida. But really, if the parents raise a stink, you can do it respectfully. You can do it with facts on your side because the facts are on our side. Um, but we just need to stand up for it and understand that our culture often does not want what's best for our kids, whether it's a social media magnate, a, a teacher's union flack. These people are not looking out for our kids. It's all of us looking out for our kids and uh, not only fight to protect your own kids, but all the other kids. And let's face it, it's pretty tough to be a teenager right now, whether boy or girl and um, dealing with a lot of my daughter's friends, too. They're going through a lot of stuff, so uh, make sure you're there for them, to mentor them, to help them out as they get ahead and understand, okay, there's a few adults out there who have their head kind of on straight, and we can learn a little bit from them. Uh, that's, that's the only way this American experiment is not only going to survive, but also thrive. So it is coming up on 4 o'clock here. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, but I'll be on for two more hours. So please catch me on the other side, have more commentary, have more guests. Fantastic to be on 960 The Patriot with every each and every one of you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.